I'm Lauren. And I'm Austin. And you're listening to Grace and Race. Where we tackle race in light of God's grace. Hey, everybody. What to do? Welcome back. Thanks for joining us again. I hope you guys have had a good week. We've had a pretty good week. Um, I just want to shout out and say thank you guys for coming back week to week. And thank you especially to all of you guys who've left ratings and reviews on here. That's really helpful for um, just helping our shows get out to more people. So if you don't mind, if you haven't already done that, please go ahead and leave us a rating and review um, wherever you're listening to this. Apple Podcasts is especially helpful. But um, yeah, you could review, especially like we would love it if you tell us um, what we love about what you love about this show and tell other people what you love about this show so that they will come back um, and join this little community that we have. So Austin, before we get into our episode this week, what was the highlight of your week so far since last Friday? Oh, shoot. Uh, Highlight is finals beginning for me as a teacher. So what does that mean? That means we're closer to the break which means I'm closer to you and the babies. So I guess the highlight is knowing the semester's wrapping up and I'm going to be at home on Christmas break. Yeah. We also accomplished something pretty big yesterday. Do you remember what that was? No. No? I don't remember. What I don't did... remember what I just <laughs> ate. Actually, I do. That was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> what did we accomplish last night after the kids went to bed? We finished Friends. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we talked about this before on this podcast, which is why I bring it back up. But we, Austin had never seen Friends before, and we just kind of like went all the way through it really fast. That was, a, that was definitely a highlight of the week for me, is seeing you see how it all ended. We can, you can tune into Austin's Instagram for exactly how he feels <laughs> about that. Not exactly. <laughs> Well, I mean, you said you were going to do it at some point. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, another highlight of my week personally was, so if you live in the Nashville area, um, you will know that if you're driving down I-65, I believe it's like between Brentwood and the Harding Place exit, there's this really, I mean, ugly ugly statue whether or not you know who it is or what it's about it is an ugly statue of a dude name named nathan forrest bedford nathan bedford forrest i think it's bedford forrest that's right it's bedford forrest um it actually people vandalized it at some point it wasn't at some point in the last maybe like five years or so and so it's had it's had like pink paint on it It's an ugly statue, and it needed to go. But honestly, what made it even uglier was who it was. It was Nathan Bedford Forrest, and um, some would probably be like, oh, yeah, that's a Confederate statue. It Yes, it was a Confederate statue, which that's going to be what we're talking about today. But not only was it a Confederate statue, but he was the first Grand Wizard of the KKK, um, which I think is just a really interesting conversation to have is that A lot of times when we look at these statues, we see them as very face value of like, oh, this was 
a person who was in the Confederacy and kind of end it at that and don't think about any more of like the nuances of who they were. And this guy is is one that it's just it's pretty glaringly obvious. Like there's no question about was this man a racist or not? Was this man actually fighting for slavery or was he just fighting for, you know, property rights? Which that's a whole conversation. Yeah. So, anyways, it's created a lot of conversation. Honestly, that thing was so ugly. I haven't seen many people at all complain about the fact that it's coming down. It was an eyesore for sure. Um, but, yeah, so we decided, man, we haven't really talked about this whole Confederate statue thing. And there is a legitimate conversation happening about it around the country. Uh yeah, a lot of people are talking about Confederate statues, what they are, whether they should stay, whether they should come down, and having that conversation. And you listening may be somebody who knows exactly how you feel about these statues, wants them all down. And if that's the case, I would encourage you to still listen to this because we're going to be talking about how to have conversations with people who don't feel the same way um, and how to navigate that with grace and also with some facts and with some truth. So, so yeah, we're going to get into that today. And if you're somebody who feels very strongly about leaving Confederate statues up, um, maybe we can give you some thoughts, some, some conversation to, I don't know, to maybe change your mind. And if you have any further comment or if you want to counter something that we're saying, feel free to reach out to us. Like we would love to extend this conversation out and to have this conversation because I think it's a, I think it's a pretty important one for the state of our country and also for the state of our towns, like for the state of our local places that we're living, how we want to represent ourselves. It's pretty important. So I think if we want to talk about Confederate statues, we have to go back to the Confederacy, right? We have to go back to why these statues exist, who these people were, what they were fighting for. Austin, Whenever you hear the argument that the Confederate, that the Civil War wasn't about slavery, what are people typically arguing that it was about? Well, the thing that I've heard was states' rights, property rights. So basically, states should have the right to choose what they do with whatever. We're not just going to say slavery. We're just saying whatever. States need to have the choice. And, and just kind of making it sound like racism or sorry, making it sound like slavery had little to do with it. No, we're not talking about slavery. We're just saying like in general, generally speaking, states need to have rights. Then the property idea, if you own something or someone, if you own something, you should be able to keep it. Mm-hmm. It's your property. And we're not just talking about like people. We're just talking about like things. It's just this weird cat and mouse game of not really calling it what it is, trying to use verbiage that would almost insinuate that, oh, yeah, you're right. Slavery really is nothing, has nothing to do with this. It's, it's deeper than that, right? But really, at the end of the day, that's exactly what was happening. And so I think some people really believe that inside. Like they bought the rhetoric and they believed it. And then I think some people uh, just peddled it and pushed it to to try to get more people to join them. And and to 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 say, oh my goodness, yeah, you're right. This isn't about slavery. This isn't about black. This is about, you know, morality. And this is actually, you know, you're stealing from us. This is this is, you know, just twisting it so bad uh, to where you're just blind to the atrocities that you're a part of and and what's going on around you. 
Yeah, and the interesting thing about people saying, oh, it's not about slavery, I don't know that, I don't have any evidence, at least, that they were saying that at the time that the Civil War was actually fought. I think that that's more of something that people say that's now in order to try to be like, stop talking about race or stop right. trying to make it about race. Because, and this is this is why I say this, so whenever I was growing up, I would love to hear, by the way, I would love to hear other people's experience, too, about how they learned about the Civil War, especially in elementary school. Like, your fir the first time that you were taught about the Civil War, how was it taught to you? Like, what what were you told about the Civil War? I, I remember knowing, hearing that it was about slavery but I think that's about as deep as it went and also there was this weird like tone of we were part like because I grew up in Kentucky and a part of Kentucky that would have been in the confederacy because it was a split state and there was like this weird feeling of the that yeah they were both the good guys um like, I don't remember thinking the North, I don't remember being taught the North, they were the bad guys. Right. And, but I also don't remember being taught that the South was the bad guys. And I can almost hear people being like, well, it was nuanced. And okay. But at the end of the day, the conversation about was the Civil War about slavery? Were there other things that were in there that they, that, that was also an issue? Yeah. Would, would the United States have gone to war over those things? I don't know. I actually, I don't think so. And I think the, or the reason that I think this is not just because like I have a feeling or gut instinct. It's actually because I can't remember when I heard about this, but it was, it was in a sermon at one point about the Cornerstone Address. Yes. So the Cornerstone Address, yeah, was given by a man named Alexander H. Stevens, and he was the vice president of the Confederacy. So he's not just some random guy getting up and talking. Like, this is the vice president of the Confederacy, and the Cornerstone Address is literally, this is the cornerstone of the Confederacy. Yeah. That's what he's saying. That's what this speech is about. You can look You can look it up. The transcripts are literally It's online. literally online. And I'm, I'm going to read um, a part of the transcript. And just so you know, it's it's it's... It's disgusting. Um, it says, our new government is founded upon exactly the opposite ideas. Its foundation foundations are laid. Its cornerstone rests upon the great truth that the Negro is not equal to the white man, that slavery, subordination to the superior race, is his natural and moral condition. This, our new government, is the first in history of the world based upon this great physical, philosophical, and moral truth. How do you argue that the Confederacy was about slavery when you've got the actual vice president of the Confederacy saying that the cornerstone of our new nation is this great moral truth? That we're gonna have slaves. That they're, that they're white people black. are superior. Yeah, that they're gonna be Negroes. Yeah, we're gonna have slaves. The Negroes will be under us, and we're we're superior. That's literally what he said. So the Confederacy was about white supremacy. Can we can we all get on board with that? Yeah. Well, no, every we can't get on board because 
there's always going to be a counter. Well, I my grandma didn't believe that. And it's like, that's really sweet. And I'm so glad your grandma didn't think that. But can I tell you something? If your grandma said that to the vice president, he probably would have slapped her or looked at her like she was stupid. Or be- said, go, or up, said go up north, you Yankee, and get yeah. out of here. Probably would have said some worse things. I'm just saying, y'all, you got to open up your eyes because you didn't come up with the Confederacy, right? You always talk about heritage. Well, you need to go back to the roots. What did what, Where did it start? And so this isn't me judging you or saying, how could you ever love the... I'm not saying that. What I'm telling you is if you've never heard this before, let this hit home. Like you should be feeling some type of way right now, whether it's upset, sad, um, embarrassed, what, whatever is a natural reaction to peddling and pushing the Confederacy and not knowing this piece of information. Now, if you knew this information and you've still been fighting for the Confederacy, we're, this will be a long talk. Mm. And, and I might have to cut it off short and we just have to go our separate ways because there's no way you can make allowance for this. Because if I reversed it and said black people are the superior race and white people, oh my gosh, oh my goodness. If this was reversed <laughs> and I said stuff like that, oh, y'all would try to have my head. So it's like we have to remember, especially the Christians in the audience, you have to keep justice consistent. You have to keep it consistent. Justice can't change. Can't change when it's for one race and not the other. It's got to be the same on earth as it is in heaven. And so that cornerstone address should disgust you. It should make you upset. You should be frustrated, especially if you hopefully you never heard it. Uh, But if you heard it and ignored it, please, this is the year 2021 going into 2022. You say no more. Okay, so let's transition to having a conversation about these these statues, these monuments, really specifically. So I'm going to just give a couple of facts about Confederate statues. So before we get into it, I think that a lot of people, he would maybe even say, I don't like the, I don't like the Confederacy. I don't like what the Civil War was fought, fought over. I do believe that it was about slavery. And I do believe that these people were evil. Mm. I think that there are a lot of people who would say that, but would also say, but I think we should keep the statues up for the sake of history. And I can be sympathetic to a certain extent, because I think once you learn more about these statues, then that argument kind of goes out the window. And so I'm going to spend some time just talking about these statues why they're they're there, um, and kind of the history of 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 them. So there are about seven hundred Confederate monuments in the United States right now. Um, most of those 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 memorials are spread out over thirty one states plus the District of Columbia, which is interesting because there were eleven Confederate states. So that basically means that there are Confederate statues in non-Confederate states. So people are memorializing traitors, (laughs) essentially, to their own state um, because they were trying to secede from the United States of America. So that would have been treason. Um, So that... When you think about that, I think my biggest question is why? Like, why Why would you put up a Confederate statue in a state that was either part of the Union or that wasn't even 
like in existence yet. So most of these statues went up between 1890 and uh, the, let's see, and then the 1950s, right. And so the, the, Civil War, I keep almost saying the Confederate War. The Civil War ended in 1865. Mm. The majority of these things went up during Jim Crow, and they went up in order to show black people who was in charge. And here's like an even grosser fact. In the Confederate States, what you have, what you see a lot a lot of times is like if you think of downtown small towns especially, they'll be like in the center and they'll be up on some kind of like pedestal. In a lot of cases, the pedestals that those Confederate statues are on was actually where they would put slaves up and sell them. And so they had like the old blocks where they would literally stand stand slaves in order to sell them and left those things up and then put, put Confederate statues on top of them in the midst of Jim Crow to basically put black people in their place. So that was the reason why a lot of these statues even went up in the first place, which is clearly not, not the motive there wasn't to say, look at this history. Let's not repeat it. (laughs) That was, that is not the motive of those of those statues and I think that in that argument of oh we should we should know history because we don't because we never want to repeat it that's not how you communicate that right right? that's not not no one is saying that we should just forget pretend that it never happened but celebrating it but memorializing that history is also not the way that you say let's never ever repeat this okay so Austin, I guess just like, how does it make you feel whenever you see one of these Confederate monuments up in a town that you're in? Can I talk about Franklin? Yeah. So we lived in Franklin, Tennessee, and we were going to go to a prayer vigil. I believe it was after uh, George Floyd killing. And I wanted to go so bad because, you know, especially the prayer vigil, I, I love praying and I love being with other fellow believers, just gathered together praying. And so I so, like, hey, let's let's go down there. And Lauren was like, man, I got a weird feeling in my spirit. Like, we don't need to go down there tonight. I was like, oh, OK, cool. I just trusted. And so I remember getting a text uh, from a friend and she was like, hey, don't come down to the um, the square, which it was. There's a downtown square, frankly. And where they have one of these uh, stinking monuments up, and and seriously, it's like don't come down there. People are like guarding it with guns, and I don't know, just weird stuff. And so I remember thinking, like, really? And I was like, man, what's the history behind it? So come to find out, apparently this this statue, his name is what Chip, mm-hmm. and Chip wasn't even a real soldier, y'all. Listen to how effed up this is. Chip wasn't even a real person. Like, Chip is this mystical, mythical, like, legend of someone who just, like, wanted to fight for people who were racist. Like, that's literally what it was. Like, it wasn't even like, oh, yeah, Chip, like, yeah, my great-great-grandfather, like, he saved his life and dove in front of a bullet. It's like, no, this dude didn't exist. And (laughs) people were there with guns at a prayer vigil trying to protect him. 
And I'm like, okay, this goes way too deep, way too deep. And so it was just powerful because God was doing a work in me because he was showing me like, Austin, this is idolatry. You know, that's what really what it is at the end of the day. When people are willing to go protect a graven image that doesn't even exist, like never existed. Like people, human hands had to make that. And you bringing guns, willing to kill people made in the image of God, willing to harm people made in the image of God for some mythical thing that didn't even exist. He was like, bro, that like, that's Baal. Like that's, that's, that's idolatry. And so it was just powerful because God was just, I felt like putting a word on my heart. Like, you know, Baal needs to come down. These, these statues have to come down. We shouldn't be comfortable with good statues up. I don't think we should be comfortable with them, you know, because I'm not saying that they're all bad. I'm just saying, like, there is something powerful in human history, especially when you read the Old Testament, of making images of people, making these graven uh, monuments to people and to these false gods and stuff. It's just it's some weird stuff that goes on in our hearts and our heads as fallen human beings. And we, we shouldn't be comfortable with that. And so for me, it was just powerful. It was like, wow, Bill, Bill must come down. And so. Uh, maybe every way they come down isn't right or the same. Okay, we can have that conversation, but they do need to come down because they're articulating something that is so anti-Christ, which is supporting a vice president who told a nation that, hey, we need to stand on the truth that the Negro is under the white man. Okay, so this is not a question that I had before, but I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts, especially because I know that a lot of our listeners are actually local people. Um, this past fall, Franklin specifically put up an, another uh, statue. They didn't take Chip down, but they put up another statue. I think he's kind of located in the same like circle, but to the side. And it's a black soldier. And it is a, a statue of a man, also not a man who is real, but it's just like the kind of... He stands for U.S. colored troops, and it was a, they were like part of the Union Army during the Civil War. So Franklin put that soldier downtown. And I think a lot of people would say like, hey, that's a, that's a step. Like, that's a really good step. We haven't talked about this in a little while, Austin. In the context of this conversation, how do you feel about that statue specifically going up? I'm like, why? <laughs> like nobody asked for that. Nobody asked for that. For a reason. Because we're we we really want to move forward, y'all. And it's ironic because a lot of people are saying, Well, if you want to move forward, then why are you talking about race? It's like, no, 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 listen, listen, listen. There are certain things we don't need to go back to there are certain things we don't need to look at and we don't need to analyze. It needs to be common knowledge across the board agreement. Let's move. There's gotta be those issues where it's just easy. We're not talking about nuance. We're not talking about subjective truth and reasoning. There's just certain things that, you know, as American citizen, we should all be able to say out loud, clearly, boom. Mm -hmm. And then we can go to those nitty gritty. This right here is one of the big things we should all agree on. And we don't agree because we have misinformation. And I've seen my white brothers and sisters, family members, friends lie to about the Confederacy. And the lies are honestly just weak. It's just, no, it's not hate, it's heritage. It's just these corny sayings without much evidence. It's just corny phrases. 
And it's like, dang, if I heard that my whole life, I'd probably believe it too. Because the people that you love, the people you admire, the people you grow up with, the people that you care about, they're telling you this thing that they genuinely believe. So it's like, oh, oh, this makes sense why this is such a stronghold. Because really good, cool people are repeating something that is just false. And and because you're cool, because you're loved, because you're respected, people are going to associate whatever you say with truth. And that's just not how truth works. And so I would say I was uh, I was frustrated to hear about this random, you know, this random statue of this bike. It's guys, this is about making it clear we have to stop worshiping people who openly fought for a side that said black people are under white people. That has to stop. And people say, Austin, there's everybody's sin. Everybody doesn't praise their sin. That's just a fact. Everybody does not. The scripture does not say woe to the man who sins. Woe to the man who calls good evil and evil good. Mm. Are you hearing me? There is a difference. I'm not here to judge exactly who is on that playing field and who's not. And what the difference is, what I'm telling you is the scriptures made that clear. It was not woe to the man who sins. Woe to the man who calls good evil and evil good. Those are two different things. There's the sinner who says, oh, thank God, I'm not like the rest of those sinners. And then there's the sinners who puts his head down and says, oh, Jesus, how could he ever love me? How could he forgive me? Those are two different people, same, both are sinners, two different responses. So I'm not here to play the did you sin game. I'm here to play did you openly say this was good when it was evil? Mm. If so, your butt's coming down. Your butt is coming down. And I would hope that same energy was applied to me when I'm dead and gone. I think one of the things that frustrates me so much about this one specifically is not that that statue went up. I think that that, if you look at pictures of it, the the artist who created it or the sculptor, the person who created it, um, put, tried to make this man's eyes something that like it's at face level so you can like look into his eyes it's a beautiful concept right my problem with it is that it's clearly a response right people are upset about chip the statue being in the middle and franklin is a is a specific scenario where lynchings and um, selling slaves happened in the exact place where Chip stands. Like, that's where that happened. So my thing is, like, do we think that it was going to make it better that we memorialize this Confederate, this, you know, not even real Confederate soldier by putting by putting a black soldier in there. And here's the other thing that like really makes me question, like, are we saying that they're the same? Are we saying that they're the same? Like, are we trying to say like, these are two different sides. Like we have to look at both sides. I'm jumping in. Cause there was a, Oh, Oh, shout out to Joel. He did. <laughs> I'm not sure if he listens to this at all. A uh, fire coach in Florida and he had a original oratory a couple years ago. They did a speech on false balance, and it was so powerful because we do that as humans, especially in racial issues. We're trying to make everything balanced, even when it's not the same. And as I think about it, like this is an example that I have for my kids, Eden and Ezra. If Ezra gets older and I see him slap Eden, 
right? Slaps her, pushes her to the ground. Do both kids need love in that situation? Yes, you bet your butt they both need love. Am I going to discipline Eden and Ezra? No. No, there was one that had an offense against the other. Doesn't mean I'm not going to love or I'm going to cease love, but there needs to be an appropriate amount of justice that happens in that situation where he is confronted, where he is punished for what he's done, and he is spurred and he is called to ask. He has to do it himself, but I can spur him. I can I can ask for him to ask for forgiveness, restore, restoration. I have to be the leader there and to do that. Quit trying to do for, oh, well, you know, shoot, he started crying after he slapped her. and She's crying. They're both crying. See, they both have tears. See, they're both crying. They're both sad. I really need to come from them both the same. No, no, no. You saw what happened. You know what happened. So as adults, we have to use wisdom and discernment. We have to be able to have the nuance and the ability of critical thinking, the executive functioning that God provides us. We have to use this to come to a better solution. And so this false balance idea drives me nuts that there's just two different sides and just two different perspectives. Yeah, one can be racist as hell. That's what we're trying to tell you. And in a talk about race, that's a problem. If you want to be racially, you know, just love and gracious and kind and sweet and hospitable and Christ-like. And if you want those things, you have to disassociate. You have to decline. You have to negate. You have to push yourself away from things, people, places that peddle the very thing you don't want to be. You can't play both sides. It's okay to look at your uncle. It's okay to look at your brother. It's okay to look at your best friend and say, that was racist. That is not okay. That is not okay. I love you, but that is not okay. We have to do better. Let's figure it out together. I'm not going to leave you. Let's figure it out together. How can we be better? Because I know you're better. You have to do that. You can't just say, well, dang, that's just your perspective. You see it differently. Because you wouldn't do that for any other sin. You never say that about abortion. You never say that about anything else. It's always the right thing. And the what God's what Jesus said and what God said. Well, God made it very clear. Don't be racist. Made it very clear. So stop playing both sides. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. But you were called to this Christian. If you're a Christian, you're listening. You were called to hard. You were called to difficult. So step up. So, Austin, as a black man, I just kind of want to hear it because I think a lot of a lot of these conversations are surrounded by like, well, let's talk about facts. Let's leave out that. I think this is one of those facts versus feelings conversation. I hear that narrative thrown around a lot of like, well, it doesn't matter how someone feels because this is history and, you know, whatever. How I want to lean into the feelings because I think we're called to do that as believers and the facts. We've just spent a lot of time talking about facts. If you were to have gone downtown that night and you were to have seen someone with with a gun guarding this image, what would that have stirred up inside of you? How does how does that make you an image bearer? feel whenever you see someone willing to go to war over 
an image carved out of stone, an evil image carved out of stone. I don't know. Honestly, I, I was like, man, I could see myself crying. I could see myself just being so angry. I could see myself laughing to the point where I'm so cynical. I mean, he's just so unhealthy. I, I've done all of them before, so I don't know what state I would have been. Hey, maybe it was a maybe I would hit him with a three piece. Maybe I would have had a little combo going on. I don't know. I really don't know. What I'm trying to say is this: <sighs> weep with those who weep, not weep with those who make sense. And we're going to say the scripture and over and over because it's not about knowledge. It's about application. Are you applying what you're hearing? Are you applying what you're reading in the scriptures? Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Those are two responses that are anti, anti, I would say it's not natural for the sinful human. It's not natural. Some of us are gifted, even though we're sinful. God gifts us with certain things, but it's not actually natural. And of course, yeah, it's easy to celebrate when you got something too. <laughs> but it's like, can you celebrate for someone eating a three-course meal when you're starving? Can you genuinely do that in the spirit? You got to have the spirit to do that, right? You got to. You got to. Can you really weep with somebody who you feel like hasn't lost anything? <laughs> you looking at them like, Really? Can you really weep with them? You see what I mean? Like, I'm telling y'all, don't don't go to the easy stuff. I'm talking about the nitty gritty, the hard, the the days you've been praying, praying to God, why? And how can I get through the next day? I'm talking about that stuff. That's where you see the power of the spirit. It's not in that easy crap that you can just white knuckle yourself. I'm talking about the tough, supernatural stuff. Can you do it on your own? No, you cannot. We cannot do anything without Jesus. That's what the scripture tells us. So why am I saying this? My response would have been very emotional that night. It wouldn't have been fact-based. And it, and it, it would have been, my tears would have been valid in the eyes of Jesus. And he would be weeping with me. Because when he looked over the towns and saw that they needed a shepherd, that they were wandering without a shepherd, he cried. So I know that he would be with me and I would hope my brothers and sisters would join and follow suit. So you believe that Jesus would have wept with you. Do you think he would have been on board to tear the monuments down? You know what? It's painful <laughs> as this might sound for some people. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I don't, I'm not going to say he wants the monuments down. I know this. He never wanted them up. That's all I know. He never wanted them up. I can tell you that for certain. Whether they come down, I don't know. But I can tell you this. He did not want them up. Man, that's a good response and not one that I was really expecting. What would you say to somebody who is arguing that they need to stay up for history's sake? Like, how would you say, and how would you suggest the people who are listening engage in that conversation? It's what you told me. You told me this other day. Did you, uh, about the, the 9 11 bin Laden? Tell them about that. Oh, on the spot. Okay, yes. So I was looking at a Facebook post about this Nathan Bedford Forrest um, monument that came down that I talked about at the beginning, and somebody commented, 
would you how would you feel about a monument of Osama bin Laden at the site of 9-11 and that's all he commented and it took me a second I was like what is that the same thing <laughs> like that that was my very first reaction but it didn't take me very long to think about the site of the perpetrator or the an image of the perpetrator at the side of the evil, like at the side of the crime. And especially in Confederate states, especially on slave trading blocks, like it is the perpetrator at the side of the crime. That's what those are. Yeah, I think that that would probably be a good thing, but but it might take a little bit of explaining it out. Would, it would because this is what, so for example, Americans... Osama bin Laden, we would all say, I would hope every American would say this, he was a terrorist, mm -hmm. right? There's not like like liberal people who are like, he wasn't a like I don't think so. I've never, I haven't well, met them right. or heard them, if that's the case. So hopefully every American say, bin Laden was a terrorist. He helped, we don't know the degree, but we know he was a part of, huge part of, inflicting harm and death upon americans that's what makes him a terrorist he is a foreign terrorist he's not from here a lot of these white confederate soldiers like bedford Forrest, who would go on to champion the kkk y'all come on now wake up he is a domestic terrorist to black Americans. Are you hearing me? They are terrorists. They inflict terror, whether it's burning crosses in yards, public uh, beatings and killings, lynchings, rhetoric, spewing speeches that would incite violence, that would get someone to say, yeah, that Negro is below me. You incite violence. We've seen violence incited before, y'all. Come on. You can incite it where you're not doing it yourself. You're getting other people to do it. You have to be careful with your words because it's spiritual warfare. That's what the book of James tells us. It's spiritual warfare. So just like when someone sees Osama bin Laden, they get sick to their stomach. Oh, my gosh. He, he inflicted so much pain, hurt, and harm. Y'all, when we see Confederate soldiers, people who stood up for what that vice president of the Confederacy said, we're thinking that too. We're thinking that too. So what you can do is go, man, let me learn more about this. As you start understanding how bad and how much this really was about race. Mm -hmm. So you can say, you know what? They were terrorizing black Americans. That's not okay. And I know somebody's like, nah, black Americans, Americans. Okay, great. If you want to go there right now, that's fine. They weren't terrorizing but, white Americans. But I'm telling you this. Yeah. KKK didn't show up at the white man's door on a, on, on, on a current. Unless. Unless they were defending black people. <laughs> so you're right. You're right. Yeah, someone's going to say, that's not true. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but what does it come back to? But what does it come back to? I'm telling y'all, come on. Like, why are we faking? We, you know it behind closed doors. When you're with your family, when you're with your friends, a lot of y'all know, you know, the, the harsh truth. Mm -hmm. Why fake? Matt Chandler said it best. The cross outed all of us. <laughs> like nobody's, nobody is walking this earth like, I'm sinless. Nobody. Like he wouldn't have died on the cross. 
Like we all have some wicked, wicked crap in us and in our bloodlines. Mm. And like they need to be addressed. Don't hide from it. Don't run from it. Acknowledge it. And then see how God wants to take what man used for evil and what the devil used for evil. And let's see how he wants to use it for good. I think another example that does get talked about a lot, but is a really helpful one, is the conversation of Germany. I saw a a teacher that I used to have, who I love, um, post a picture of Auschwitz and the the picture was captioned something like they don't tear these down because they want to leave it up so it never happens again so we need to not tear down confederate monuments something i mean it was worded better than that but that was essentially the argument but let's let's talk about germany real quick they did leave concentration camps up and you can go and you can tour them you can go inside of them you can see how horrific it was you're not going in there and having a party. You're not going in there and having a celebration. You're not having town parties in the concentration camps. Like you're not having a Christmas tree lighting right beside the gas chambers. We're not doing that. Why? Because it was horrific. Because the only reason that those places still exist, the only reason that they still exist is to not hide (laughs) yeah to say like if we let the wrong leadership in the wrong hands this is what can happen you will not see a statue of a nazi in germany Mm -mm. you will not see a memorial to hitler which does exist to the president of the confederacy you won't see that anywhere in germany why because it's evil Do they talk about Hitler? Yeah. Do they know that he exists? Yeah. Do they remember what he did? Yes. The fact that there's not a statue of Hitler does not mean that they forgot that he existed, that they forgot that he happened. Right? And the thing is, is we spend so much time fighting for these statues for the sake of quote unquote history. But I guarantee you that half the people who are fighting for those haven't been to the where uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was killed. I haven't been to the African-American History Museum. What's the place that you went to, Austin? Um, was it Birmingham? Oh, was it the, 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 lynching? the lynching memorial? Yeah, yeah, probably haven't been to the lynching memorial. Y'all, those places do exist here they do exist and that's why they're there Mm -hmm. we have things like we have we have other statues (laughs) like we have other things that do exist to do exactly what people are arguing for in keeping these confederate monuments up that exists right we're we by acknowledging what history really was we're not going to forget it. In fact, the only way that we do forget history is by trying to re- rewrite it. By trying to say these people weren't actually fighting for, like, these people were kind of the good guys, were they? That's how you rewrite history. That's why, That's how you repeat something that should have never happened. That's how you do it. That, that, I hope y'all caught that. Yes, that's the quickest way to repeat it is to retell it wrongly. That's the quickest way to mess it up. 
because you're right. If you keep telling the youth, man, these are good men. These are good, godly, God-fearing Christian people. And you don't say, oh, yeah, and they were wicked in this area. Just wicked. Mm -hmm. If you don't say that, then people are going to grow up. Oh, man, I can be God-fearing Christian and think the Negro's under me. <laughs> what are you doing to the youth? You're raising them back up in the same crap. But I guess you didn't see it as crap before, so you don't see it as crap now. But I'm telling you, Christian, if you hear this and this pricks your heart at all or hits your conscience, like, stop, pray, like, repent, ask the Lord to restore you. Like, you, this isn't, this isn't the time to feel bad for yourself, sorry for yourself, and, and, and then just throw your hands up and give up. Or, oh, man, how could I ever recover from this? Jesus died, literally, literally. He had this crap in mind when he was on the cross. He had racism in mind when he was on the cross. He had bigotry in mind when he was on the cross, right? He had all of these wicked things on his mind when he said, I am going to die for my kids. Mm -hmm. He had this on his mind. Don't let guilt, don't let shame keep you from being who God wants you to be and who he's called you to be, which is a peacemaker among people. Shine your light among men so that they may see your good works and praise the Father that is in heaven. Mm. So let your light shine. That means it's already shining. You just got to let it shine. And that's by letting the Spirit do his work in you, convict you, comfort you, encourage you, and equip you to move on into this world and, and just stop holding on to these worldly ideologies and worldly systems and to really start pushing the kingdom of God. So last question, what do we do? Do we fight to have these things taken down? Like as believers, if we believe these things, is that something that we put our efforts behind? How do we, how do we do that? I think with anything, believer, let's not change up the game plan. Pray. Mm -hmm. Figure out what the Holy Spirit is telling you because we're all going to have different roles. I've signed uh, petitions to have them down already. A couple of them that I think were successful, so that's nice. But that's it's going to be different for everybody. Some people are literally going to have a burden on them to make sure it's down before they're dead. <laughs> like you know, it's just different. Uh, just know we cannot call good evil and evil good. That's got to be the thing. Pray, make sure we can recognize good and evil through the lens of the scriptures, not our opinion, not the weird dualism or the weird false balance through the scriptures what is good what is evil okay and then being able to confidently and respectfully engage in dialogue uh, to tear down these strongholds because that's what they are they're mental blocks mm -hmm. that keep you from spiritually embracing the lord that's the stronghold y'all things that are going on in your head that keeps you from being and doing what you're called to do in god and so a stronghold for race uh, or racism, this would be a very good example. Oh, they were no, they weren't about hate. They that was just heritage, just Southern pride. That's all. That's all. Downplaying it, that's a stronghold. Because now, oh, your your antennas for kingdom living isn't up. It's down. Huh. It's way down. <laughs> your frequency. You're not picking up anything. And then when people try to show you, ah, oh, no, 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 that's not what I was told. That's not no. That's not what I. Oh no. Now we're denying. I mean, we're, we're, we want to be blind. It's just a whole bunch of bad stuff. So we, we just have to be in prayer. 
We need to be able to recognize good and evil through the lens of the scripture. That's a renewal of our minds. That's what Romans was telling us about. Um, and, and then I think, too, just being willing and, and ready to engage in conversation. I think if we're doing all of those three things, then our role in taking down Baal is going to look different, but I think it's going to be good. Thank you guys for listening. If you have one of these where you are, I think that, and, and especially if you're a believer, go go there, like go to the physical site and pray. I, and I'm, I'm a white woman. So this is, this is me speaking from my perspective, but I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable taking my children around those things. I mean, whenever I say that, I mean like without having a conversation about it, right? Like I don't feel comfortable just like existing and pretending that it's not that it's not what it is. I don't feel comfortable just trying to ignore it. And I don't feel comfortable having to have those conver- I mean they're hard conversations, right? They're not comfortable conversations either. But I mean and that's that's me. I just I I think we need to I think we need to seriously consider seriously think about especially like if we're supposed to be welcoming and loving people like what these things are doing and especially what our just blind acceptance of them is doing for our witness I don't think it's doing a lot of good and and I'm just gonna be honest it makes me really sad whenever I see people who I know are believers and who I love and I and who I do also know love me and love our family um getting really bent out of shape over these it hurts again me white woman speaking it hurts it hurts my feelings and so I cannot imagine what it does for you Austin I I can't imagine what it's going to do for Eden and Ezra and I really honestly just being put throwing this out there my prayer is that they're pretty much gone by the time they get old enough to to really realize what they are that's just me. <laughs> That's just like me sharing my heart and my convictions on here with you guys. So, yeah, I hope that you found this conversation helpful. And this is clearly something that we're pretty passionate about and also very willing to have this conversation with you. And we hope that if you disagree on anything in here that you'll reach out and that we can have this conversation. I I had a friend reach out and ask a, a pretty pointed question about something that I posted online recently. And my response was that I would love to get together and to, ha- and to have that conversation. Right. I kind of doubt that person's listening, but that's, that's true. And we can't get together with everybody who listens to this podcast, right? But but we probably could have a phone call. Like we probably could FaceTime for 30 minutes or so and just like engage a little bit more. And right now we're at the point in as far like as as big as this podcast is that we can do that. So yeah, if if you've got more questions, if you have something that you want to press back on, please reach out to us. And at minimum, we can 
you can text us that conversation, that question, you can message it to us and we can address it on the next podcast. Um, and we would love to do that. But Austin, did you have anything else before we wrap up? You hit it on the head. We're willing to talk. And whenever you hear us get fiery and passionate, I, I want to make something very clear. Whenever we talk about something this uh, dark and this deep, I can hate, despise, uh, just totally disagree with full opposition with what you feel or what you think about this and still love you. Mm -hmm. I don't tote that as a pat Austin on the back. It's that's the power of the Holy spirit Mm -hmm. right there because we are tied through Christ's blood and that brotherhood and that sistership will always be higher than what we feel and what we think here. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the cool thing about being in the body of Christ. So please hear me. I can get loud. I can get angry. I can get fiery. I can get passionate and still understand you're my sibling mm-hmm. and I, I know we have the same father and um, I saw what God did in Peter. Peter was wrestling with bigotry. He was, and God built the church off of him because God convicted his heart and read acts. He said, God showed me there's no partiality among men. God didn't disqualify him because he was a bigot or was wrestling with bigotry. He called him out of it. And, uh, and for a lot of y'all listening or some of y'all listening, I don't know the demographic, I pray that's your story, if it not already, uh, but soon, if not, then soon, that God called you out of it and, um, and love and peace. Thank you guys for listening, and we will chat with you again next week. Peace.